As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. How you going? <laughs> so good to see you. Don't hug me. Where's the server at? Do I want a coffee? Oh, God, no. I'll have a flat white. Wait, do I have an accent? No, no. flights until you've flown to Strauss. I was in the air for 36 hours, on the ground for seven, back in the air. I made sure to stay out of all the touristy areas, so we started off at Bondi Beach. Oh, it was cracking. Girl coast living. This swimsuit is fused. To my body. Yeah, nah, nah, yeah, yeah. What do you mean I have to wear shoes here? North America and it's regime. Fine, I'll go put on my thongs. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Wednesday, April 12th, 2023. I'm J.E. Skeets here in the Classic Factory, and alongside me, as always, that's Tass Mellis. Podcast listeners, this is for you. Next to him, from North Carolina, it's the bearded one, my top shot hot boy, Trey Kirby. Hey-o. Hey-o. This guy is ready to check in. For a good, what, 25, 30 minutes off the bench? They need a backup big in <laughs> Chicago. So I'm heading out uh, to Toronto as soon as the show's over here. <laughs> Catch me tonight. I'll be still on playback yeah, from so the bench. Oh, okay. yeah. oh, wow, yeah, on your phone. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, and last but not least, over yonder, it is the apprentice. It's Eshawa Kid. Oh, yes. The Hawks fan, Esh, picking up a big dub last night. Shout out to the stream team for joining us live right now on YouTube. Like the vid, comment away, sub around, and find out. Get your No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com. T-shirts, hoodies, hats, mugs. We got a whole lot to get into on today's podcast here. We got to talk about last night's crazy playing games. We'll look ahead to tonight's playing games. We've got two more playoff series to predict. When we move over to the Eastern Conference, we'll do a little Sixers-Nets, and we'll do a little Cavs-Knicks, but we also had a wedgie. Wedgie number 53, our first from the play-in tournament, Anthony Davis with the block on Cat there that gave us the wedgie. Harlan screaming out, WEDGE! <laughs> and then he just stopped, and it went silent for a couple seconds, but hey, we'll take it. Just because it happened in the play-in, you know, not like stats that just disappear, they're all a mirage, we count them. So that's 53. And uh, we are still looking for, what is it, six more to set the all-time record? Yeah, okay. 58 is the current record. Okay. So, yes. Do you think Harlan maybe had an inside joke with Reggie Miller about saying Wedgie Miller or something and then stopped midway, <sighs> didn't commit to the bit? Something happened. Something happened. Because it's almost like they were laughing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe something happened. happened. Technically, maybe there was a broadcast <laughs> problem where their mics cut out. Mid wedgie, he said wedge, and their mics. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> hey, look, can't say that. <laughs> Jim Jackson honestly talked that wedgie into existence in the game prior. Uh, he just out of nowhere brought up wedgies after the uh, <laughs> spillage that happened in that game that uh, that Eagle was talking about. And then Jim Jackson just wanted to talk wedgie, so let's give that one to uh, to Jim there about wedgie number fifty three. Okay, Jim. Let's get into the games. Uh, we will start with the second game of the doubleheader last night on TNT. The Lakers outlast the Wolves 108-102 in overtime. They advance to face the Memphis Grizzlies. 
uh, in the two seven matchup. We'll talk about that series on tomorrow's podcast. But uh, oh boy, an ugly win! <laughs> what a game! What a wild game! LeBron with thirty ten and six. Though man, he had some boneheaded plays. Uh, Anthony Davis twenty four fifteen and three blocks. The Wolves were leading most of this game, but then managed to only score seven points in the final eleven minutes of action. Uh, and, and it was, it did feel like task. Like both of these teams were like, no, you take it. No, 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 you take it. No, no, you take it. What do you think? Absolutely. It's one of those, Hey, did the, uh, the Lakers win it or did the, did the Wolves lose it? Oh, you better believe the Wolves lost this thing. That was theirs to take, especially without Rudy Gobert and, and Nas Reed and Jane McDaniels. The fact that they're up 16 points into the fourth quarter, they basically scored nine points in the fourth quarter other than the three free throws that Anthony Davis gifted to them. <laughs> Throughout the entire fourth quarter, a team with Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards were were sort of freewheeling it. I think Chris Finch likes playing that way. The head coach of the Timberwolves just says, All right, go out there and do it. I think they needed some more play calls. And also Carl Anthony Towns, to give him an excuse, he got goaded into his fourth and fifth foul and wasn't playing all that strongly uh, throughout the the fourth quarter and overtime. He was the guy who was scoring between him and Anthony Edwards. There's just no way you can allow nine points, essentially, throughout the entire fourth quarter to happen. He only had two shots in the fourth and overtime, and Anthony Edwards couldn't hit the side of a barn. He picked the wrong night to have his maybe worst offensive game of his career. Yeah. 3 of 17. 3 of 17. Look at it this way, though. It's weird because he's 0 for 9 from 3, but 3 of 8 from 2 in this (laughs) game. Almost 50%. Well, yeah, one was a a wide-open layup that the Lakers gifted him with, uh, you know, 20 seconds ago. And the one was a fast-break dunk, which was okay, but yeah, Yeah. it was bad. It was bad. The last six minutes of regulation, they didn't have a field goal. They had uh, Michael Conley's three free throws. The last six minutes of regulation, the Timberwolves didn't hit a bucket. And Cat had to be utilized a little bit more. And again, his aggressiveness, I think, was muted because of the foul trouble, which should have – he had five fouls. I mean, fouling on a rebound like that should have be called. It's a, it's a foul, but still. Anyway, they needed to find a way to get a bucket. That's mm-hmm. all. And they, they had they went so many L- chances even still. Yes. Yeah. Obviously. They, Obviously. they went into L.A. and they didn't finish the job, really. Yeah. I I mean, the Timberwolves played perfectly, I thought, through the first three quarters. And then, like you're saying, Towns started picking up fouls. And he basically fouled himself out of the game. He didn't ever get to the sixth foul, but he played like he right. couldn't pick up a sixth foul because he really couldn't. They needed him inside. Uh, the Lakers... Took advantage of no Rudy Gobert, no backup big in Nas Reed as well. They had 54 points in the paint as anticipated. Um, but, you know, uh, the game was there for the Timberwolves to win if Edwards has anything like a regular Edwards oh. game because they got a great performance from Mike Conley, got an incredible performance, I thought, from Kyle Anderson. He really stepped up and played pretty well. But Edwards just could not get it going. And I'm sure part of it was when he went head over heels and landed on his shoulder. He came back out with, like, so much tape on his shoulder. Surely that was affecting him. But he just couldn't do anything. He was looking like Ben Simmons out there, the way he wasn't attacking and getting to the hoop. Even in overtime, they get that crazy steal. He should have dunked it. Like, he should have dunked it with about 11 seconds left. It ended up being a kick out to Torian Prince from the corner. Also played a really good game. Got a good shot. Missed it. But Edwards should have dunked it. It would have been a one-point game with 11 seconds left. Then you can play the foul game uh, going on from there. But he obviously didn't have confidence in anything offensively last night. Yeah, or even maybe give it to the guy who's on fire in the other corner. Because Conley Conley had the steal, gave it to Edwards. Then they run to the corners, like Prince goes to the left, Conley goes to the right, and Edwards decides, sort of of blinders on, only sees Prince. But Conley was, I mean, you saw Conley react to after the miss, and then they had to foul. He's like... Man, I'm the one guy that can hit shots right now. Yes. Like, give it to me, man. <laughs> so, yeah, just a brutal game from Ant. Uh, and they were still in it. I mean, like, as we said, Prince had a chance to tie it. Obviously, they're gifted the free throws at the end. Anthony Davis, what are you doing? Oh, my God. Backing up to him as he's just watching the shot go up mm-hmm. and just, like, undercutting him with his back to him. And it was a foul. I mean, he obviously sort of got under him. Um, and, and then, you know, kudos to to Conley for hitting all three there. That first one was iffy, bouncing in. But <laughs> Front the rim. Next two, yeah. 
I love how LeBron called it a brain fart in the post-game interview. <laughs> I like how brain fart is just part of the lexicon. It was a huge fart, huge gassy <laughs> fart. How do you do that? <laughs> that? That's me waking up every morning. That's how big of a brain fart that one was. But I don't know. I thought AD was a weird game. Like he yeah. put up an incredible line. I think once Towns got into foul trouble, Davis sensed that the game had turned right then and there because he really came alive in the fourth quarter and completely took Towns out of the game offensively uh, for the Wolves because, man, Towns had such a good first three quarters oh. to, like, creating for others. He threw that pass in the lane, like, behind his oh head. My God, yeah. uh, who was that, too? Prince, I think, for the layup. Incredible pass. Then he did the exact same pass a little bit later, which I thought was hilarious. It's like, it was cool the first time. Watch it again. Yeah. Uh, but then, I mean, once the fouls ticked up, that's the that's the issue with Carl Anthony Towns. He's got to figure out how to play with fouls because yeah. he always picks them up. Yeah. So. And what did you think about those? Uh, you know, specifically those fourth and fifth fouls, especially the one maybe where Edie flopped a little bit on fighting for the offensive rebound, but Towns grabbing him. Uh, what was your take on that? And the whistle in general, uh, where the Lakers went to the line a whole lot more. Yeah, those were the two whistles that bump with Anthony Davis that really changed the game, and then and the one with LeBron where LeBron goaded him. The Anthony Davis one, if he doesn't fall, is not called. And uh, it's going up for a rebound. It happens every possession, almost. Like the bumping, the the physicality of it, the fact that he falls got him the whistle. I thought he got caught, uh, caught ball-watching Cat on that shot because AD hustled to try and box him out. When he goes around him, then, you know, Carl Anthony Towns sort of instinctively grabs up top. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, did AD embellish? Did he just slip? Whatever. That's why the foul was called. Yeah, just... It was like happened early in the rebound because right. AD actually just had a little more left in the tank. I think Cat also did tire, too. I mean, this is a guy that missed a chunk of time. Uh, yeah. So maybe his conditioning wasn't all there. And as the game went on and the fouls maybe in his head a little bit, he totally. got worse and worse. He played over 40 minutes like, yeah. like every Timberwolf did uh, in the starting lineup. I, I can't make that an excuse for them because I, I thought the officials, they did all right. They called Anthony Davis in the fourth quarter for a travel uh, when he had the ball up uh, near the free throw line. They called a moving screen in overtime on Rui Achimura. You're using your whistle properly. I mean, you're recalling the things that are happening. You're calling Anthony Davis, uh, shuffling his feet. So I, I can't put it on on them. The fact that Carl uh, Anthony Towns, was, he was brought back into this game with five fouls and he didn't, he just yeah, the, the aggression was absolutely gone. Zilch, zero. I mean, that's on him. Uh, th- th- I don't think you can put this on the officials. I, I, it's just miraculous. We've, we've talked about Torian Prince having a good game coming to the starting lineup for Jane McDaniels. Kyle Anderson was playing the backup five, and yeah, they were out-rebounded by, I guess it was 11 when it comes down to it, because they didn't have Nas Reed and Rudy Gobert. But yeah, he, he was doing everything he can. Four steals and four blocks. Nikhil Alexander-Walker was awesome off the bench. Mike Conley played so freaking well. And Carl Anthony Towns was really, really good, going 24 of 11 and, and fell off, and they lose this game. I just, mm-hmm. I was just shocked. <laughs> That's what it, what it really comes down. They played so freaking well, and uh, they just needed, they need a little more offense from, yeah. I, I, I don't know if Anthony Edwards' shoulder was destroying, hurting him that much, but he feels like the guy that would at least... You know, fight through it in terms of his drives. Like there should have just been more drives uh, to yeah. the rim. Uh, besides Anthony Davis, who you already gave a little love, and LeBron with a good line, though he did have some careless turnovers, even on the inbounds play there at the end, it was like, ooh, just sort of served it up to the Wolves. LeBron there. was terrible. In the yeah, I know. Right <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like not even pressure turnovers, just throwing it straight to the Timberwolves. That was very weird to see from LeBron. But of course, like guys played so long, everything feels like a full circle moment. Down to the fact that like two times on the final play to Schroeder. Like, A, that was the Danielle Marshall play once again. <laughs> like, you got to be an old head to remember that yeah. one. Oh, LeBron passing on the final play. Can you believe it? And then also, like, it coming down to the final play in a play-in game. LeBron did that in a play-in game like a few seasons ago, <laughs> aiming for the middle basket against the Warriors. Time is a flat circle. Yeah. Yeah. LeBron, yeah. man. I-, I will say I thought for for the Lakers side of things, in, in addition to, like, their stars there in, in AD and LeBron – Dennis Schroeder, what a game from him. 21 yes, he points. He hits the uh, tie-breaking three-pointer uh, in the corner from that pass from LeBron with like one and a half to go. And he just stepped up for a guy who played like garbage in D'Angelo Russell. I mean, it's not going to be remembered, but he had a nightmare game. He was one for nine. <laughs> he had two points. He did have eight assists. But 
kudos to Ham for just benching him, basically. I know he was in there for one possession near the end, but like he didn't yeah. play a big chunk of that fourth quarter. Schroeder was their guard. Yeah, and uh, he stepped up, obviously, hitting that shot and uh, giving them some little energy. I thought even like Ham found a very switchy defensive lineup there when it was AD, Rui, LeBron, Reeves, and Schroeder. They could just switch everything, and the Wolves had nothing to run. I mean, that that's the other part of this. It's like... What, what it was their shot selection again credit to Lakers defense but it was bad like that looked like we talked about the play in giving us a little March Madness that's what that game felt yeah, like 100%. dumb turnovers <laughs> totally. some weird whistles uh, you know it, it just that felt like a March Madness game like a college basketball game yeah, yeah uh, totally uh, and you know shout out to Darvin Ham I think going away from D'Angelo Russell when he wasn't playing very well used him as a decoy eventually later and you know at least Russell was passing the ball but he got outplayed by Mike Conley I thought in this matchup and also shout out to Ham for going away from Jared Vanderbilt like Vanderbilt was pretty solid offensive or defensively early um, on Edwards but once Edwards slowed down you kind of knew maybe you didn't necessarily need the defense out there and Vanderbilt was taken away from the Lakers offensively, just not needing to be guarded at all. And Hachimura didn't do much better, I didn't think, but he made some plays, which was enough uh, for the Lakers. Yeah, Mike Conley, although he had an incredible game, I wanted to see a little bit more calling of plays in the fourth quarter, running the show a little bit more. It's not really what he does with the Wolves. He kind of plays off ball, and Anthony Edwards runs the show. But on a night where you have it going and your other guy has nothing... He yeah. probably should have been involved a lot yeah, more. Yeah, just force it a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah, because yeah, he was cash. What a game uh, from Mike Conley. Any other notes from, <laughs> honestly, an insane play-in game? <laughs> I mean, a lot of people are talking up the Lakers as a championship contender. Oh, my How gosh. How can you possibly think that if you right. watch this game? They are still easily beatable from behind the arc. And the yeah. Timberwolves were doing it through the first three quarters of this game. So, uh to me, if you were thinking that the Lakers are going to be the first team to go through the play-in tournament, go all the way to the NBA Finals, you got to think that a little bit less after <laughs> watching last night. I mean, you're not going to get that weird of a fourth quarter from LeBron probably again in the playoffs, but the Lakers are a mid-team. Like they, There's a reason they are in the play-in tournament, even though they finished strong this season. Yeah, I think the people who are saying that the Lakers could just... <laughs> go through the Western Conference, even calling them the favorites in the Western Conference, just aren't watching the games. They're just they're just looking at the names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're looking at AD and LeBron. Yeah, they can turn it on. They can do it. Uh, I think that's what it comes down to because against this Wolves team where they had a, a really good advantage, the Lakers are should play big and were bigger than this uh, Wolves team, and yeah, they out-rebounded them, and yeah, they destroyed them in the points in the paint battle, and yeah, they had 12 offensive boards. This was without Rudy Gobert and Nas Reed. Are they going to be able to do that night in and night out? Are they going to win the free throw battle? They they generally do win the free throw battle. Are they going to do that night in and night out? Um, it was just nine in this one. Should have been a heck of a lot more, really, uh, in terms of the free throw discrepancy. So, yeah, that, I agree. They don't look. I mean, it's one game, but still. Um uh, I don't, I don't think they're going to get better as the playoffs go on. They're, I don't think these old guys are going to get better. It's going to be wild because their best bet to either beat the Grizzlies or to go far in the playoffs is uh, four out of seven times they're going to have LeBron going for 25 or 30, AD probably going for 25 or 30, and then it's like the uh, who's going to step up on this night? Is it going to be Schroeder like it was last night? Is it going to be a Beasley game where he catches fire? You know, Will it be a D'Angelo Russell game, obviously, where one where he's on? He's a streaky player. Or Austin uh, Reeves. Or Austin Reeves, exactly. Struggled a bit. It's, or you know, possibly Rui. It's, like, it's going to be just like who the hell on that night is going to be the one to contribute. But, you know, defensively, that will... That will keep them in games. They play hard, and they have all these switchable guys, and you've got AD there manning in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so good win from on that end, but what a strange, strange game, especially when it gets into like 1 o'clock Eastern and you're going to overtime <laughs> in a game that no one wants to win. <laughs> where it felt like it was going to double overtime for a second. Obviously where Prince has a very, very good luck. Nuts. All right, let's go to the first game on TNT last night, the Hawks. Hold off the heat, 116-105. They will advance to face Boston. We'll get into that 2-7 matchup also on tomorrow's podcast. But wow, what a win from Atlanta. Sam Quinn of CBS called it. Shaq of TNT called it. And Tass Mellis of No Dunks. The only three people in the world to take the Atlanta Hawks last night. And uh, holy crap, Tass. That was one of the best games they've played all season long. They were really good. <laughs> uh, Trey Young doing a great job of not making it about him. Yeah, and I didn't force it. DeJounte Murray was was awesome. It was a, a question mark when they made this trade to me. 
what what exactly uh, is DeJounte Murray going to do? Well, he's going to do what he does best, and that's just get into the lane and be ultra confident. They're just such different players, uh, him and Trey Young, and he got into the lane and was taking what the Heat gave him and, and shooting over top, but even the three-point shooting uh, for DeJounte Murray was there. Just how? What kind of flow? What what buttons has Quinn Snyder pressed with this team? <laughs> I mean, they they going you know from the guys coming off the bench and, and playing their roles perfectly. John Collins fine not shooting the ball, uh, and, and Clint Capella fine not shooting the ball, just blocking the snot out of people, and Yekan Kongu blocking the snot out of people. Everybody just playing their role ridiculously well. What's in the water, Quinn? Uh, it's it's, pollen. <laughs> there's quite a lot of pollen around here. Just an incredible performance. They kicked their ass. Uh, and obviously the Heat were come back in the third quarter. Tyler Hero found his flow, uh, which was nice to see because they were absolutely going at him to start the game. Give the ball to DeAndre Hunter. Go at uh, Tyler Hero. But then Eric Spolster said, well, we can play that game. Let's go at Trey Young <laughs> right. over and over and over again. And, and Tyler Hero found his flow. But unlike the Wolves, they were able to take those blows from the Miami Heat and they just kept coming with oh, Jalen Every Johnson, time everybody. it looked like the Heat were like, here they go. They're going to take control of this game, get to five or six points. Every time the Hawks would like have an answer. Uh, and usually it was missing a shot, grabbing an offensive rebound, and scoring <laughs> off of that. That's what it was. It yeah. was nuts. Yeah, Clint Capella looked like the eighth grader with the mustache out there. He was like the biggest, baddest dude, and that was completely the difference in the game. He had eight offensive rebounds. The Heat had six. And I don't know. I tweeted it last night. Anybody ever say rebounding is contagious? Because mm-hmm. it felt like it. It felt yeah. like Cabela went out there, dominated Bam on the glass. Everybody else on the Heat is six foot five and under. It felt like last night they look tiny yeah. uh, compared to a Hawks team that is not very big. But like John Collins has size, Sadiq Bay has size, Johnson has size, Akangu has size, and they just all went to the glass yeah. every single time. They basically, I mean, the Heat aren't known as a rebounding team, but they are certainly an effort and physicality team. And the Hawks had more effort, more physicality, and timely shot making, I thought, as well. Like, Murray really struggled in the first half. He went two for nine, but five for seven in the second half. And like you're saying, Skeets, every time the Hawks needed an answer, I kind of felt like it was Murray. It would get down to, like, seven or eight points. He had a couple of little backbreakers just floating in the lane, using his uh, length to shoot over the top of the Heat. If Kyle Lowry doesn't play the best game of his season— this is an easy blowout yeah. win for the Hawks. Yeah, Lowry, yeah, you're right. Kept them in it in the first half, continued his incredible play in the second half. It was weird. We had Conley and Lowry mm-hmm. dominating <laughs> last night, uh, both in losses. But, uh, yeah, out, Atlanta out-rebounded Miami 63-39, to 22-6 on the offensive glass. That is a huge number, 26-6 to in second-chance points. That was the game. Jim Jackson on the call. Some guys just wanted a little bit more. It was Capella. I thought the Heat came into this game, too. <laughs> Somebody told them, hey, the play-in tournament, it's not the playoffs. And they're like, oh, all right, well, this is just like a normal game in February. We'll come out with that energy. They were brutal. Terrible first start, half. Like, live ball turnovers, stepping out of bounds, giving up, obviously, offensive rebounds. Like, just no fight. And they were just like, they had the, uh, like, the... Uh, like they were holding themselves like this is a meaningless game and and don't worry we'll get back into it now they did but uh it, it still came back to bite them in the ass and Jimmy Butler was brutal in this game how many bunnies did he miss he if, was terrible and so, he and, was and, terrible shooting layups uh, it like he was missing layups by a mile he was bricking layups mm-hmm. like they were going on the other side of the rim credit to like a Kongwu and obviously Capella like did block the crap out of him a couple times but like he was just missing so many that you get used to Jimmy Butler even on ones where Jimmy gets fouled like he gets he draws the contact and then it's usually an and one mm-hmm. because it's a layup he was missing those ones even and those don't even show up in the bar score as a shot uh, and then Bam too I thought he had a couple where it's like what are they doing <laughs> right around the rim like so they're two star players I mean they shit the bed I thought they were both her- t- terrible yeah totally Bam. I thought Bam was generally just not as involved in the offense as he should have been. Uh, One of the best ways the Heat can generate offense, I feel like, is Bam grabbing a rebound and bringing it back up off the court. Or bringing it up off, whatever, in transition. (laughs) But, as we talked about, the Heat weren't rebounding. So that wasn't really an option for them. And then, yeah, Butler just could not get it going inside at all. He did get 11 free throws. He was grifting, uh, certainly at some some points maybe to his detriment trying yeah. to draw fouls more so than necessarily finish but 
the Hawks dominated the interior, and that's usually where you would assume that the Heat had the advantage. Yeah, unfortunately with Bam, it happens where he doesn't force the action throughout his playoff and play-in career now, I guess. He should have just been watching Kyle Lowry. Lowry was forcing it yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah. And he, and he, he saved them uh, multiple times. Down, they were down 20 with two minutes left in the first quarter, and and he made it digestible. He scored seven in the last two minutes of play because he was just he was just doing Kyle Lowry things, making something happen, going to the rim, throwing his body around, getting a foul, then he hit a three and another tough layup. They are down 15, and it was a game. And then, yeah, Tyler Hero doing his thing to start the, the third, and you'd think, all right, we just got to get to Jimmy time, and uh, that never, never came uh, because it was an absolute – blowout win uh, for the Atlanta Hawks. You're totally right about the the heat and the way they walked in, their disposition walking into this uh, arena. Toronto fans, Pelicans fans tonight should have been watching. Hope they're watching last night because I always I always comment on the heat fans. They always come back at me, but they were non-existent no. in the first half. They they thought they were going to show up in the second half. And uh too little too late, obviously. And look, they the the rebounding thing is is real. They went and got Kevin Love as their bio guy, and they started him at the four because they were desperate. He obviously came off the bench in this one. They got Cody Zeller as well because they were desperate. They never replaced PJ Tucker's grit. They never replaced uh, their their lack of size in the end. And so rebounding was a problem. Uh, scoring obviously was a problem. Oh, they're, they're lucky to get thirty three from uh, from Kyle Lowry. Totally. Um, but Sadiq Bay. And the the Hawks bench, wow! Oh, uh, their reserves: that was awesome. Bay Bogdanovich, Okongwu, and Jalen Johnson, who had an awesome putback dunk in this one. Fifty-three points for those guys. It felt like watching this game at times like seven of the eight or eight of the nine best players in the game were Atlanta Hawks players. It was like Lowry. <laughs> who else played good for the Heat? That's it. That's honestly it. Lowry played well. Yeah. Other guys had moments. Like, Hero had a moment at the beginning of the second half, and that's kind of like, it seemed to me that maybe the tide was going to turn for the Heat because their first half, it looked like they just met each other. And the second half, they came out, all right, we're fired up. We're playing a little bit here. Hero was attacking Trey Young in three straight possessions. Uh, Jim Jackson hung Ian Eagle out to dry on a question. He turned it into a rhetorical question. (laughs) Didn't give Eagle a chance to answer, which was very funny. Uh, But that was basically it. Like, I mean, Hero did have a good game. I guess he probably played the best of the starters, at least for Miami, but it didn't feel like he had a huge impact on the game. No. Just the Hawks doing all those little things, too. I love early in this game, there was DeJounte Murray busting his ass to front Bam so they couldn't even go to him and get him a pass inside. Like, that's a lot of height that Bam has on him. He was just working his ass off to stay in front of him as it rotated. A Kongwu blocking Bam at the apex there to get that jump ball. That was special. And then John Collins, it was late in the game where it was still a game. He had that offensive rebound where he was then falling out of bounds. And John Collins made, like, an incredible bounce pass. I think it was to Bay, like, cutting inside there. Oh, yeah, And it was just like, like, I I want to make this very clear. Credit to the Hawks for how they rebounded, especially Capella, a monster. It was one of those weird games where the ball just always bounced to the Hawks. And it was got to be frustrating. Like, you've played in games like that where you're just like, what the hell? Like, there was one play where, like, it was a turnover, but it ricocheted to a Hawks player for a dunk and it was like the ball just yeah. found its way now you gotta go make that I get that the 50-50 balls but sometimes the ball does have a little bit of mind of its own and it just was always going to Atlanta in this game yeah you know you're getting beat when the Hawks generate two wide open three point looks one of them for Bojan Bogdanovic for Bogdan Bogdanovich. They miss both of them, but somehow it ends up with a Bogdan dunk down yeah, the middle yeah, of the right. lane. Like, come on. That guy's probably got five dunks this season. He's getting one in a half-court setting. It just was not good for the Heat. They probably thought, we can turn it on at any time, and they could not turn it on at all last night. So the Hawks improved to 3-0 and all time in play-in tournament games. Hmm. It's People are calling it the Trey-in tournament. <laughs> Nobody's calling it that. But uh, he did have a good game. I, like I don't want to gloss do over like it. it I, like you, you slipped it in right at the beginning. I thought he did. He just didn't force things. Absolutely. They were getting great three-point looks early in this game. He had his floater going uh, and went to it a couple times, especially going right. He just it was that was a well you know orchestrated game from a point guard. I thought in, in Trey Young, he didn't need to go for thirty-five and and gun a bunch of threes. He was the point guard. I totally agree. Uh, and if they lost, we'd be looking at the stat line and say one of eight from three. Come on, <laughs> Trey. Mm-hmm. 
but he played a good floor game and it, it's it's odd to see when you look up and down the Hawks stat line that they didn't shoot the ball all that well from three uh, they missed a freaking bunch of free throws they shot 59% from the free throw line yeah. and still got it done um, because they were far bigger than the heat so I think they go back into the locker room and say first we, we you know we played our asses off uh, but we can shoot a heck of a lot better mm-hmm. um, going into the series against the Celtics they, they there's some resemblance to that 21 playoff run where everybody's just doing their job and uh, not forcing it felt felt good uh, watching this Hawks team that they can just take the first 70 games off of a season and then just turn it on the last dozen Jimmy Butler quoted after the game saying, come Friday, we have to play the legit exact opposite of how we played tonight. <laughs> he guaranteed a so win. Like, Sorry, Kyle Lowry, you got to have seven points, man. <laughs> exact opposite. He probably will. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. I am a little terrified after watching last night's game. I'm like, oh, whoever wins tonight between the Bulls and Raptors, I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. Jimmy and Bam will likely bounce back after the brutal performance, but uh, you know maybe we, we continue to uh, overvaluate this team. Uh, they're, they're, they they struggle to score outside of Lowry hitting six threes. They shot like they hit five. The rest of the team combined, they can't hit threes, uh, which is a huge issue in today's game. But good win from the Hawks. They will go to Boston. I should be there for game two. I'm headed to Boston to run the marathon on Monday. Game one on Saturday. Got to assume game two is either Monday night or Tuesday night. Could be Wednesday night with some weird stuff. Oh, I hope yeah, just, oh no, it's on Saturday. No, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a big gap. You should be months. good. Yeah. Uh, does the marathon end in the Celtics arena? <laughs> just take your seat. No, 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 no. That's uh, we'll see. Hopefully, I can get out there. Uh, okay, so tonight's playing games. Let's just make this quick. Bulls Raptors is the first one, 7 p.m. Eastern. We're on ESPN tonight, and you can join us on playback because you know we got the no dunks bowl. Oh, my God. I can't believe we're going to be doing this. Living and dying with every possession. Trey Kirby's Bulls versus... Oh, it's game time. Our Toronto Raptors. Look at Trey Kirby's got a jersey on underneath the shooting shirt. The wow. The quest for number seven starts tonight. <laughs> like Brett Berry right here. Oh, man. <laughs> for number seven. All right. Well... Number seven, that's, baby. That's here's a the, nice inside joke right there. Uh, here's, here's the rule. We Find gotta, the we camera, gotta, Brent. Find it. We got to wear our Raptors jerseys tonight on playback. I'm cool with that. Okay, okay, there you go. Do so, I have a warm up? I did have an. <laughs> you did. You I, did, really I cool used one. to have the the classic '95 yeah. Oliver Miller warm up. Yeah. Well, I have the warm up jacket too. I gave that one to to our buddy Ken because it was a little bit big for me. But I have the jacket. Okay. I can I can derobe. <laughs> Guys, we'll be in like full gear tonight on playback. So join us at 7 p.m. Eastern. The link is in the show notes. Uh, what, what's What's your one thing <laughs> you're looking for in tonight's playing game between the Raps? First team to 90. Okay. First team to 90, I think, wins this game. These are like two of the best defenses in the league mm-hmm. uh, since this, basically since the All-Star break, since Pirtle showed up for the Raptors, uh, since Patrick Beverly showed up for the Bulls. But, man, this is maybe going to be one of the ugliest games that matters <laughs> 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 because... Neither of these teams can score. They're both in the bottom five in three-point shooting. Yeah. So it's maybe going to come down to one player getting hot for either team. Kobe White could do it for the Bulls. Gary Trent yep. Jr. could do it for the Raptors. If a team has a player hit five threes, they're probably going to win this one. A big matchup to watch, I do think, will be seeing how DeMar DeRozan attacks likely OG Ananobi. OG has kind of locked him up. Uh, so... Uh, so far in the season series, I think DeRozan's only averaging 14 points a game or something like that, only four assists. Now, Levine didn't play in some of those games. Though, That's right, right. Yeah. and Levine has been straight up balling yeah. in the year 2023. He's putting up like 27 a game, 50-40-90. But he didn't have a great playoffs last year. He was dealing with a knee injury, so I think that both Levine and Vucevic are going to get looks because the Raptors, no doubt, are going to try and stop DeMar DeRozan for somebody else to beat him. <laughs> that means Vooch is going to be taking a lot of wide open threes from the top of the key. Sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. And Levine would be, it'd be nice to see a heater uh, from him as well. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I, was, I was dying laughing. I saw the predictions from uh, Darnell Mayberry and Eric Kareen at The Athletic. They have been like us forced to watch these teams yeah. play every single game of their season. So, of course, Darnell is picking the Raptors to win and Eric is picking the Bulls to win because they're like, there's no way the team I watch is going to be consistent enough to win this one tonight. It's true. Yeah. That's true. a great point. It's a coin flipper. 
Uh, don't bet, but as we've said, the over-under line is 212.5, which doesn't sound like a lot in today's NBA. It's 107, 105, and you're there, baby. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, as Trey said, it feels like it's going to be low scoring. Usually in the playing tournament, there's one game. That's, you just it's hard to watch so far we, we haven't got that yet really? no no it wasn't it wasn't the wolves it's been it's, it's been worse at least yeah there's a pacers wizards game that's what it usually is to, yeah. in in, in my recollection it could be this one okay but it'll be fun for us we'll be on playback 7 p.m eastern again that link is in the show notes uh the second game tonight is thunder pelicans at 9 30 p.m eastern probably a little bit later than that on espn uh, the winner advances to face the Wolves in the final play-in game for that number eight seed. Uh, what, what are your takes on this one, Tass, heading into it? It feels like the Pelicans should absolutely roll to this victory with the way they've been playing versus the way the Thunder have been playing. The Pels have been playing so well, and the Thunder don't look like that team. Uh, that was awesome throughout the first three quarters of the season. Uh, Brandon Ingram is going to be the difference of it feels like, and, and I know Shea will step up, but fourth quarter Brandon Ingram is a real thing, and he's been he's been fantastic. He has been uh, the superstar between these two teams in terms of the way that they've been playing recently. So you know, just just on that, mm-hmm. I think I think that's a fair way to evaluate it. I think the Pels should uh, should walk away with this one. I have no feel of this game. <laughs> I have no clue who's winning this game tonight. Do you, you're nodding away. Uh, I totally agree. Yeah. It's like. Either team could have the best player on the floor mm-hmm. and still lose, I yeah, think. Like, yeah. That's just what happened with the Pelicans uh, against the Timberwolves, right? Brandon Ingram went for 42. Yep. They ended up blowing it in the, yeah. in the second half of that game. But, man, he has been on fire lately. 27-7-6 and six the last month. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is going to make an all-NBA team. Probably finish top eight in MVP balloting, I would imagine. Uh, my X-Factor, Jonas Valanciunas. I think he'll have a 20-rebound game, much like Clint Capella. Whoa. OKC is not a very Whoa. good rebounding Super team. Super tiny. They're tiny, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And Valanchunas has been in every play-in tournament. He knows how to show <laughs> up when the lights are the somewhat brightest. Uh, <laughs> so I'm expecting a big game from Jonas inside. All right. Well, those two games on tonight, Bulls Raps and Pelicans Thunder. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to look at two of the Eastern Conference playoff matchups and hit them with our predictions. Don't go anywhere. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. All right, back here in the Classic Factory. Love to see the big numbers of people coming out for the live show here on YouTube. But the likes don't make sense with the number of people here. The math ain't math. And hit the like button if you're joining us live and make sure you subscribe. Let's get into some Eastern Conference playoff previews. For the second time in the past four years, the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets will face off in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Game one is scheduled for Saturday at 1 p.m. at the Wells Fargo Center in South Philly. What's one thing you're going to be watching in this series? This is not an exciting series. <laughs> no? This, to me, is the least interesting first-round series, non-play-in involved division. Because <laughs> I think this one's going to be a blow-up. I don't think that uh, the Nets have anybody that will be able to handle Joel Embiid. So I guess one thing to watch is his free-throw attempts. Because the Nets are actually pretty good at not fouling, but Embiid goes to the line all the time. I assume he's going to live at the line, putting up 30-something per game. He should have some monster lines in this one. So I guess the one thing I'm really watching is to see what James Harden looks like for the 76ers. He sat out seven of the team's last 13 games with his Achilles problem. I think they can win this series even if Harden is 
getting back up to speed. It's more of a long-term thing, seeing what Harden's going to look like because they're going to need him at his peak for round two. But I don't know. It's hard for me to convince myself of the Nets doing anything besides stealing one game after they're down 3-0. Yeah, as good a story as the Nets have been. And as much as it is fun to watch them galvanize themselves after the the whole thing that they've gone through, and they've got such likable guys. The problem is the best player on the other team has no matchup on this one. Even though Nick Claxton has been really good, solid, solid season, the Sixers are going to go to Embiid over and over and over again, and it's just going to be a struggle bus for Nick Claxton to, to deal with him. They basically have to commit to getting the ball out of Embiid's hands or not allowing him to catch it at all. Um, they, there's been some templates recently by other teams playing the Sixers, playing zone to take away Embiid from the nail or uh, take away the pocket passes from James Harden, just basically don't allow them to go to Embiid. And that's the good thing if you're playing the Sixers and Doc Rivers, you know they're just going to get Embiid the ball around the free throw line. It's basically don't let them catch it uh, because it's, it's Nick Claxton, who's just you know far lighter than Joel Embiid, he's going to be able to push off and score. Uh, or De'Ron Sharp is their backup center. Who's, it's gonna, it's, he's going to be, you know, he's too young to, to be able to handle Embiid, and Embiid's just a freaking MVP. So they just, they don't have the personnel. Mm-hmm. They haven't had the personnel in years past, and they, they, they weren't ready for this. So that's, that's obviously the biggest issue. Possession after possession after possession, that's what the Sixers do. So it's going to be tough. Here's one thing to watch from the Nets side of things. Hat tip to Schumann out there in his series preview. The Nets, their three-point rate, it sort of skyrocketed after they traded Kyrie and KD. Went from 37.6 to 43.7%. That's the fifth highest in the league uh, after they made those moves. So I think that's their best chance to like pull off an insane upset here. Just gun away. Because you're going to lose the battle at the free throw line because you're taking on Embiid and Harden. You're going to lose the battle inside the arc because mainly of, because of Embiid. So you got to get that rate up above 50% in this series from deep. And after the deadline, when Brooklyn hit 15 or more threes, they were 9-1. and one. When they didn't, they were 4-14. and 14. Could Vaughn, and this speaks to what you said about like how do they even guard Joel Embiid because of the personnel, will he go crazy small? Like Will he just be like, let's just get five shooters out there and stretch it as much as possible. I mean, Claxton's going to play, don't get me wrong, but like, to help their chances, to help the math, just attempt a lot of threes and, and hope you hit those 15, 16, 17 threes in a game to give yourself a chance. I don't think so. I think they're going to try and be the, the Celtics and just use their length, because they are long. Mm-hmm. And Claxton had one good game against Embiid, actually, too. Hmm. Like he had his one of his best seat, his best offensive games of yeah. the season. Yeah. Um, like he matched them okay. As far as points. Yeah. Points to points. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think they they try and use Claxton's length. Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith are, are really really good defenders, and then you throw a Royce O'Neal out there. Yeah, they're gonna uh, Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith. They're probably gonna start on Harden and Tyrese Maxey respectively, and they're gonna do a pretty damn good job on those two guys. Uh, then they have to recover and just get arms in front of Joel Embiid, uh, as well as Nick Claxton. So. That's, I think that's the game plan. Uh, they they do have hope um, because their defenders are so good and so committed mm-hmm. to the to the task at hand. Uh, but uh, yeah, one on one, it ain't gonna work. I, I don't think. Let's talk X factors. Who you got circled? X factors for this? <laughs> that's tough. Like what? What's an X factor? Mikhail Bridges going off, scoring a forty point game. Like that's that's the X factor to me. As if. If the Nets can win the turnover battle and hit a bunch of threes, that's the only possible upset in, in this, and that would be a one-game thing to me, I suppose. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie that's who I have. could be yeah. a bit of an X factor here. I can foresee the Nets trying to attack with Dinwiddie isolating on Maxi. maybe. Maxi probably the smallest, uh, worst defender in the starting lineup for the Sixers, so put him in as many actions as you possibly can and try and generate open threes and force turnovers and run as much as you possibly can. That's the recipe for the Nets stealing a win. Uh, but none of that, to me, seems like a sustainable thing that will last throughout a series. Yeah, I just, for the Nets' sake, Embiid is going to probably score a lot, and they just got to hope that the Bridges and Dorian Finney-Smith limit Harden and Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. And, and, then, and then maybe the math, uh, as you said, because... 
your your um, X factor here is Spencer Didwitty, I assume. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah, somebody. He's so streaky. It's, it's got to be one of those. It's got to be. It's Seth Curry can maybe play some more minutes in this game in this series. Unleash Cam Thomas. Like it could be one of these. Yeah. Like they need a bunch of threes. They need one of these guys to catch fire. Cam, Seth, Dinwiddie. Cam's rolling right now. He had a forty-point game. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> it's true. Look, this is a tough matchup for yeah. the Nets. We didn't even mention Cam Thomas. He will. He'll be there. Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson. Why did I say Cam Thomas? Well, Cam Thomas plays. He's there, yeah. So oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got so many Thomases, so many Johnsons, so many Cams. Uh, okay, let's just make this quick then. What's your prediction? This is a pathetic preview. I mean, we're just so down <laughs> on the nets here. This is embarrassing. Yeah. What do you well, got? They've been pretty bad, you know, for the second half of the season. Yeah. But 11 and 13, they only win if they hit, what did you say, 15 threes? Basically. That's basically the only time they win. So I think that will happen at least once. But uh, give me the Sixers in five. Another X factor, as the stream team is saying, is like Joel Embiid's face bones, like him getting hurt. <laughs> Can he stay healthy? Yeah, that gives the, Not that would the give shits. the Nets a chance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eat high quality foods this week. No cheese steaks. <laughs> Yeah, if if he's backpedaling on a, a fast break from another player, he's not going to put his face into a, an elbow like he did for Pascal Siakam. Just no freak accidents. Yeah, they've, they've, uh, we all want to see Joel Embiid healthy for an entire run. It is odd that you say the Nets have been eleven and thirteen over the last twenty four games. Just shows how bad the Heat were in the entire season that they couldn't steal <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. the, the six seed. Uh, Very true. They, they've it's been mediocre. Mikel Bridges is obviously going to be exciting as a number one guy to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, do they have the firepower behind him? And this, the size is such a freaking problem. They're going to take one. This team fights too hard. I'll say Sixers in five. I got to agree with you guys. I also have Philly in five. I like the Nets' chances to win one game at least. Uh, but this uh, this Philadelphia team, again, this is Schumann with this stat, they are the third, three, third seed in 20 years that rank in the top eight on both sides of the ball. So this is a very, very good third seed. I mean, this is really good when you're top 10 on both sides of the ball. They're top eight offensively and defensively. And here's a, a look at the numbers as we wrap this one up. Okay. They played four years All ago, as you said. Yeah. Forgot. I guess that was the Karis Levert series, if I'm remembering correctly. Did it also end Philly He was five? awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was Philly in five. All right, let's hear from everybody out there. What's your prediction for the Sixers-Nets first-round series, which starts this weekend? Uh, let us know in the comments below. Let's move over to the other Eastern Conference series. The Cleveland Cavaliers will host the New York Knicks in the first round of the 23 NBA playoffs. The Cavs continue to build on their uh, previous success with this young core. They also have one of the league's best defense. You got Donovan Mitchell now in the mix. While the Knicks are back in the postseason after a disappointing 21-22 season, uh, we can throw up the stats if we have that board right now. There it is. Yeah, the best defense, I should have said, in the league for the Cavaliers when it comes to defensive rating. And the Knicks, no slouch on the offensive side of the ball. A little defense versus offense here. Tass, what are you watching for in this highly anticipated first-round series? Oh, we got a series, baby. It is a coin flip. Let's start from the Knicks side, even though I, I am the Cavs supporter. I want to see what Jalen Brunson can do as the primary ball handler in the postseason. I think, even though the Cavs are an incredible defense, they take away the three-point line, they take away the rim, Jalen can work in the mid-range, and I want to see what he can do there because the Cavs will allow those shots. That's what happens in playoff basketball, and Brunson is just so good and calm and cool at doing that. Last year in the postseason, when he was with the Mavs, Luka was out to start the series. He had three really good games against the Utah Jazz. He had a 41 in there. You could say he averaged 32. Now the numbers, obviously, uh, (laughs) definitely pumped up by that 41-point performance. But he had three games over 20 points uh, between 20 and 41. And I think he can be that, even against a really good Cavs defense. That's that's the first thing I'm I'm watching for. He's got to be big. And then that should trickle down to Julius Randle. As Randall, yes, hasn't had a good series in the postseason, really. I mean, as as a premier guy, he, he had that bad series in, two years ago against the Knicks. I'm sorry, against Hawks. the Hawks in that five-game series. The mid-range should be open for him, too, and that's where he operates. And if Brunson is taking the pressure off him, trickles down to Quentin Grimes, who has been absolutely balling recently as a three-point shooter, uh, taking 10 threes a game, shooting 48% over his last nine. I don't like R.J. Barrett's chances if we're going all the way down the offensive uh, uh, keys here. 
against a, a Cleveland Cavaliers team that defends the rim so freaking well that it doesn't really mesh with RJ's chances. But so those other guys, I think, can flourish uh, against a very, very, very good Cavs defense. What are you watching, TK? Uh, I'm interested to see if Julius Randle plays and how he looks. The guy hasn't played in two weeks. Uh, Fred Katz reported yesterday that Randle did some of practice yesterday. Tom Thibodeau said he's doing some running, shooting, scripting. That sort of thing. I guess there are script writers in the NBA, but they're the players. <laughs> kind of a surprise to me. Uh, but they're going to need him, uh, and he's going to need to be up to speed pretty quickly because I assume he's going to be guarded by Evan Mobley, which is a tall task for Randall. Yeah. He's taken a lot more threes this year, which I think has certainly helped his efficiency. He's going to have to score over Mobley because Jared Allen is going to be waiting inside there. I also think clutch time is going to be super interesting here. The Knicks can put a lot more shooting on the floor, so maybe things open up in the mid-range for Brunson, like you're saying, Tass. But I think both teams really struggle in clutch situations, and it just comes down to who's going to be hotter in the fourth quarters here. Is it going to be Brunson, or is it going to be Mitchell? They can both get to the line. They can both get hot. But both teams can go through major droughts uh, offensively in the clutch. So, Randall. Health would be huge here to give the to give the the Knicks a second option because you know at least Darius Garland is out there as well with Donovan Mitchell. Garland has really struggled in the clutch this year. It feels like it's going to be on Mitchell's shoulders mostly, but you'd rather have a second guy alongside you than not. And we could have some clutch games if uh, you know the regular season carries over to the playoffs. Three of their four regular season meetings between these two teams were within five points in the last five minutes, and the Knicks took two of those three. So we probably will get some other close games. I'm very excited for the Brunson versus Mitchell battle. Not only from the narrative perspective, you know, the idea, oh, Donovan, the New York kid, was he going to go to New York, goes to Cleveland. They get Brunson. They're happy about that. They have the history from last year's playoffs where Brunson was cooking Mitchell off the bounce at times in that series. He had a great series, 25 assists to two turnovers in that series too. That's unbelievable. But the last time we saw these guys in the regular season, they went for combined 90. Uh, So, you know, we're going to have some monster Mitchell and Brunson games here, I think. So very excited for that. What about an X factor in this series? Get us started, Tess. It is a little too big of a name to be an X factor, I guess. But Darius Garland can be huge uh, for this Mavs or Mavs team, for this Cavs team. He's had performances uh, throughout this season where Donovan Mitchell just says, uh, hey, it's your turn. But also when Mitchell goes to the bench, Garland just turns it on. And uh, Quentin Grimes will we'll get a lot of minutes on him, um, and that's uh, going to be difficult for Darius Garland. But the, the Cavs uh, haven't found their – haven't found their MO when it comes to clutch time. Uh, they just haven't found that balance throughout the, the entire year. It's really weird to say that because Donovan Mitchell can take over, but Garland hasn't found his his perfect self, even though he's a great three-point shooter, their best three-point shooter. He can take over, uh, but it's just, it's, they haven't found the, the, the yin and the yang, really. They haven't been perfect, him and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, so he could be sort of non-existent at times. But he can be a freaking all-star. Yeah. He's had a 50-point a game this season. And so I think he's uh, yeah, he's that sort of barometer. Um, will they need all of his points? I don't know. The, 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 Trey brings up a good point about Mobley stopping Julius Randle. I think that's, that's going to be a tough matchup uh, for Julius Randle if he's not feeling the flow. And will the Knicks have enough points? Uh, I don't know. Well, clutch time is going to be interesting if it comes down to that. Uh, but DG, Darius Garland... Uh, DG the PG's a uh, uh, lame nickname, but uh, I'm going to be uh, paying attention to him uh, a lot because he could be fantastic. Him and Mobley, you know, combined as the sort of the next era here of the Cavs. It's time. It's time to take that step. Yeah, Randall not only has this ankle injury, but you slipped it in there. Like, he's coming off his last playoff series versus the Hawks where he shot, like, under 30%. It was bad. And it was bad. Like, he was, like, 19 shots a game to get to 18 points per game in that series. So he's got, you know, he wants to obviously bounce back from that, but he's coming in with this bum ankle, and we don't even know sort of his status in this. And then a Mobley on him. You know, one of the guys in the running for Defensive Player of the Year against a great defensive team in Cleveland. So that's going to be tough. Uh, what about you for an X Factor? I think Mitchell Robinson versus Jared Allen is the swing matchup in this series. Mitchell Robinson led the league in offensive rebound rate. He's a terror on the glass in mm-hmm. Cleveland since the All-Star break, 29th in defensive rebounding rate, despite the fact that they played two seven-footers. So I think that's going to be 
uh, definitely a matchup to watch. Like whoever is winning the battle between Mitchell Robinson and Jared Allen is getting more possessions for their teams, which then allows them to be more efficient offensively. And that's probably the way it's going to go. So I think Jared Allen can do a good job on Mitchell Robinson. Obviously, Allen is an incredible interior defender, but Robinson is just nonstop on the glass. And if he's able to generate more possessions, that means the Knicks don't have to shoot quite as well. Yeah. Uh, So that's a big one for me. Yeah, I've got that in my notes as well. Even Hartenstein, if he comes in as the backup center, he's great on the offensive glass. Josh Hart as a wing is a phenomenal uh, offensive rebounder. And despite the Cavs having the best defense, that is the one area that they sort of stink at. Like they're great at creating turnovers. They're great at protecting the rim, limiting threes, but like ending possessions uh, is where they struggle. So can the uh, Knicks take advantage of that? And that's been a big part of their great offense is uh, they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the league. So those more possessions will possibly help. I got Mitchell Robinson too. And I've talked about him all season long. Like he's, he is vital to the, to this Knicks and their uh, success. Uh, Let's get to predictions. Tough man. Cavs, Knicks. A lot of us were saying this one feels like a seven-game series. Yeah. Uh, which which squad are you going with? Cleveland because they're at home or, or the Knicks? I lean Cavs. I'll, I'll give the Knicks the, their due respect and, and give it seven games. But I do think Donovan Mitchell has a bounce-back playoff performance. He was very bad last year by his standards in that one series against the, the Dallas Mavericks. Shot under 40%, shot 20% from three for him. His, uh, his worst playoff performance, and he is a playoff performer. I think he is a big-game performer. You know, we kind of we skipped over that, talking about all the, the supplemental players for the, the Cavs, but this dude uh, should be their guy at the end of games to not, not only just at the end of games take over, but just take the pressure off the young Cavs in Garland and Mobley in their first playoff series. I believe in him uh, to bounce back. And, yeah, I think the Knicks have question marks uh, with their injuries. Jared Allen, is I don't think he's 100% for the Cavs either. But I believe in, in Donovan Mitchell to bounce back. It feels, it feels storybook-esque. It feels like he will bounce back after you know that whole Utah thing uh, went sour. Just wasn't right last year. I think he'll be right this year. So Cavs in seven is where you're going? Yep, yep. What about you, Trey? I think I'm on the same pathway as Tass here. This one, it's crazy. This feels like A, the tightest series, and the series that we've been previewing the most because yeah. it feels like they've been locked into 4-5 for such a long time. Now it's finally here. Definitely doesn't feel like the Knicks are an offense-first team, but they definitely are. Mm-hmm. I've seen Tom Thibodeau teams struggle going from an incredible regular season to turning it up a notch in the playoffs. That doesn't always happen. So I think with the Cavs having home court, with questions about Randall's health coming into the series. I got to go Cavs in seven. Oh, man. I'm with you guys. We're going to see seven, (laughs) seven, sevens. I know. Like, the Randall part, I mean, is a huge, huge question mark. Like, for them to win the series, he has to not only play, but has to play phenomenally. If he's got a bad ankle, then that sucks. Uh, Yeah, but the home court advantage, that's enough for me. Because I think it will go seven. Uh, So anything can happen, obviously, in a final game. But I'm also ultimately going to go Cleveland in seven as well. What do you guys say? Where are the Knicks fans at? Let's hear it. If they're going to win, are they going to go in and do it in Cleveland in Game 7? feels like if the Knicks win the series, it will be in 6 to me. But uh, I think Cleveland's got this one. Cavs are a great home team. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt about that. They do it in a funny way. You know, they got to 31-10, and 10, but they always come back. They always let the other team take a lead, and then, yeah, we'll do it now. So Knicks can steal. Can steal some games. Let's hear from you guys. Let us know in the comments below. Cavs, Knicks, how many games, who you got as a winner. One more break when we come back. Tweet of the night. Don't go anywhere. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. 
Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, back in the factory. Time for Tweet of the Night. Yeah. Mm, Tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Tweet of the Night comes from a heck of a Twitter handle. Bully. B-U-L-L-Y. Wow, that's a... That's pretty good. Hell of a handle. Yeah, first tweet <laughs> comes from Bully. That tweet, I took a vacation about a month ago and have no photos of it other than the one night I ate an edible and paid $65 to get into an illusions museum. An illusions museum. That's okay. the key here. Yeah. That I thought would be full of crazy optical illusions, but instead it was just this if you're following along on YouTube. So this optical illusion where there's a sort of a, a fat head kind of thing of Dwayne Wade on a wall and there's a, a rim as well and so Dwayne Wade is actually like quote unquote blocking a shot <laughs> and you as the visitor to this illusions museum can go up and do something to the shot or whatever and you take it, it. is and it on a the photo. ground though yeah the person is on the ground that's yeah, why yeah. it's an illusion yeah yeah you said okay you said wall I guess it's more no, it's like a fathead on a yeah. wall. I just mean yeah. like yeah, yeah, ground, ground to wall. Yeah. It's much like the Raptors uh, baseline logo back in the day. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> sure. That's the illusion. I love that second photo so much. <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, so, so Bully went into this museum, yeah. saw Wade shooting this ball, and is pretending to block a shot, and then great, yeah, great pose, sort of a squat pose, just pointing to a basketball in, in the second one. Now, that brings us to our question and and really the tweet of the night yeah from david son how much would you pay to get an illusionary pick of shooting over Dwayne wade because this person paid 65 dollars to to sort of but they had no idea what they were going into yeah yeah yeah, now we know because now bully bully did this for us right i think Bully also went into this museum and and <laughs> pretended to be eaten by a shark or an alligator or something. Yeah, yeah. there's it, other. It's like these, other yeah, these, yeah, these. a lot of really cool photo ops. <laughs> it looks like crap. Hold on, that, <laughs> they look so bad. The one on the ledge is that cool? You want me to cast it here? You want to see what oh, the rest of these casting, look like? Baby. Why not? Well, we got to get Trey Kirby in his full bulls attire into this game. Block Dwayne Wade. Yeah. There's actually like a Pizzeria Uno, I or OTP that has a a bulls bathroom <laughs> pizzeria. before i could go there i could go there and pose or something like that pizzeria oh, uno. i'm otp I uh, yeah <laughs> i mean pizzeria uno on edibles you're living the life <laughs> it's worth 65 bucks this museum that's a, i would say 20 dollars yeah. max but with inflation i guess 30 yeah yeah that's a lot for that crappy looking museum that looks terrible it's called <laughs> 65 i'm with you 29.99 sure even that feels like a lot once yeah. you get in there. You're like, what? But are I guess, are they taking the photos for you? You know, is that part of a package deal? Like I pay my 65 bucks and then I go into like these weird rooms and then you take the photos for me? Or was that, she said, it was by herself, right? Yes, yeah, she said it was by herself. Yeah, Some... so I guess so. You get somebody to take the picture? Yeah, okay, maybe, that's the cool. photos that's come with cool. it, maybe. Oh, yeah, I don't it's know if the photos go with oh. it. Mm. Well, I think $30 for an Instagram factory. I mean, that's essentially what this is. You go hang out and take some photos. That's fine. 30 bucks. But I'm saying I don't think you take the photo. I think they, that's a part of the $65 fee. If, if we are to believe this person that was on edibles, that they went by themselves. They didn't take those photos. Yeah, but... They're all set up. You can tell. Yeah, but you think... Yeah, that yeah they... I mean, they have to be. Yeah, you exactly. Perfect angle. Yeah. <laughs> You'd think that there'd be a little bit more to the photo than if it was actually done by the the place. But maybe it's just a, a subpar <laughs> Why place. Why would you think that after seeing the drawings <laughs> on the walls and floors? I don't well, know. Yeah, I like just... people calling Dwayne Wade Julius Wade because it looks like he has Julius Randall's face <laughs> instead of Dwayne Wade's because they made him look incredibly old in these photos. Face app Dwayne Wade. Where, do we know where this place is? We could definitely... Do a little road trip. Bully is in Nashville, Tennessee. It ain't too far away. <laughs> We're popping some edibles and jumping. Oh, Illusions Museum, <laughs> Tennessee. That's Dwayne Wade. That's a combo. You know the face combos we do of Dwayne Wade and Steve Francis. I think that's actually, who it is? yeah, that's it's got a little old Steve to it. Gatlinburg. 
and Matisse Thibel is Where's out there. That? Gatlinburg, Tennessee. All right, we could drive. It ain't too far. <laughs> but according to TripAdvisor, I'm looking at 1.5 stars. <laughs> well, maybe this person should have checked. <laughs> Not great. Wow. All right. Road trip. Summer uh, summer road trip. We're Come going. on. I got to find that. Uh, on an edible, though, a, 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 a good edible trip. She probably had a good time. Yeah. I think she had a $65 worth of fun. Probably so. <laughs> oh, they're opening one in Atlanta. <laughs> it's exciting. M-O-I Atlanta.com. I like the Scrooge McDuck one. Oh, we're going to this. We she's, are going to this. She's one. midair. Yeah, you're probably right, Skates. They probably took this photo because she's not on the ground here. Somebody had to do a nice, I, good now, snap. Now I feel like I'm tripping balls. I'm like trying to figure out, is that the corner of the room there? In the, yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. It's painted. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, she's just... a seam. She's jumping like eight inches in the air, maybe. Yeah. She's barely jumping. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's oh, the alligator one. Yeah, this one's good. This one's worth the big bucks. Yeah, this one's, that's true. Looks like you're getting eaten by an alligator. <laughs> wow. How did they do it? All right, let's call it there. Jeez. I can't believe they're getting one in Atlanta. Uh, guys, join us tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern on Playback. Hit that link in the show notes. We'll be watching all together. The incredible Bulls-Raptors game. <laughs> Trey was holding up his seven, which I like to pretend is combined three-pointers made by the two teams tonight. <laughs> All right? That's what it really stands for. But we'll see you tonight at seven for that game. And then we'll be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern here from the Classic Factory to break down tonight's games, look ahead to Friday's play-in games, and recap those two seven matchups in both conferences the Grizzlies, Lakers, and the Celtics, Hawks. So busy, busy podcast coming at you tomorrow. But enjoy the games tonight. Hopefully see you there. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, we'll see you later, alligator. We'll also see you at Illusions Museum. (laughs) (laughs) In Nashville or or Tennessee or Atlanta? Atlanta, I think. (laughs) Okay, great. Brace the day, people. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.